This is a Woodside Church podcast. Good morning, everyone. My name is David Devonish, and I am one of the pastors here at Woodside Church, though most of the time I'm supporting churches in other nations and travelling, but obviously unable to do that at the moment. So it's great to have the opportunity of speaking to you. On this Sunday after Easter, we're going to continue the series on what different characters who were present at the crucifixion of Jesus would have experienced. And we're going to tell the story of a man who's story is told on the original Sunday, a week after Easter. So this message is called Through the Eyes of Thomas. Now Thomas is famous really for his doubts or his unbelief. Indeed, often referred to as Doubting Thomas. And it used to be quite frequently as an expression in English, uh, and still is sometimes, that, oh, I'm a bit of a doubting Thomas. Someone who's a little bit cynical about things. You could also say, I take it all with a pinch of salt, whatever that might mean and whatever the origin of, origin of that is. And certainly in the West, we think of Thomas that way because he didn't believe the other disciples' story about Jesus being raised from the dead. In India, however, and many of the members of our church are from the Indian subcontinent, Thomas has a very different place in their minds. It's not in the Bible, but church tradition and a well-attested uh, tradition says that the Apostle Thomas took the gospel to India. It is reported that he actually died there, and certainly there is evidence of Christians in southern India from a very early time. Tradition says Thomas had a vision where Jesus said to him, Fear not, Thomas, go to India and preach the word there, for my grace is with you. Now, I don't know exactly whether that part is true, but certainly uh, that sort of Vision from the Lord is what has motivated much world mission. So for our Indian friends listening, Thomas is very important. So who was this Thomas? He was one of Jesus's 12 disciples or apostles. His name in Aramaic and the Greek translation Didymus, which is sometimes used in the Bible, both meant twin. So he was obviously a twin but we don't know who the other twin was. Well, what about Thomas as a witness to the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus? Where does he fit into the story? Actually, Thomas factors in three important scenes in the Easter story. Not just one that we're all familiar with that happened on the first Sunday after Easter, but he actually occurs in the story three times. The first was a couple of weeks or so before Jesus was crucified, perhaps a little bit more than that, a month maybe. And Jesus had heard that a close friend of his called Lazarus was dying. 
Jesus delayed going at first, but then, as we read in John's Gospel, finally he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, means teacher. Only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I am glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go too, and die with Jesus. There followed, as they went there, an amazing miracle. When Lazarus was called out of the grave by Jesus, and many people believed in him as a result. Thomas had a pivotal role in persuading the other disciples to go with Jesus into a context where he and they could be killed. Jesus had said somewhat mysteriously, it's not dark yet, there's 12 hours of light. That was when he spoke about the dark, he was talking about his eventual crucifixion when he wouldn't be doing any miracles. Whereas it was still day, there was still some time left he could still do some miracles. Thomas missed the point of the illustration, but courageously said, let's all go with him, even if we have to die. Brave, but somewhat gloomy, bit of a pessimist, but he still managed to rally the other disciples and become, and become an example for all of us. Because all of us who follow Jesus, the Bible says, we take up our cross and follow him. In other words, willing to give up everything for him. So in this story, he's not doubting Thomas. He's courageous Thomas. Or negatively, some people might say gloomy Thomas. But actually, courageous Thomas was the first disciple to say, Let's go, even if Jesus has to die and we have to die with him. And he gave a clear role in the, and he had a clear role in the lead up to what proved to be a mighty miracle. So that was the first time in this crucifixion story, the final days of Jesus's life, that Thomas figured. But then, we find him again at what we call the Last Supper, when Jesus ate the Passover meal with his disciples the night before Good Friday, and when he taught us to break bread in remembrance of him, as we would have all celebrated together on Good Friday earlier uh, this month. So, 
he first washed his disciples' feet. They didn't just have a meal. There's many things that John teaches us happened at that Passover feast. So he washed his disciples' feet at a time when they had been arguing who's the greatest amongst us, we hear from another gospel account. So they were arguing about that. So nobody would get down and wash the feet, which was considered disgraceful in that culture. But Jesus did. He first washed his disciples' feet, then they had the Passover meal. Then Jesus gave some wonderful teaching, lasting several chapters in the book of John, and then prayed for his disciples and for us before he left and went on to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he was arrested. During these, this teaching, Jesus said these famous words, which are often today rightly used at funeral services for believers. He said this, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will be always with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord. Thomas, our friend, said, we have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. John's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. So, what was Thomas's role here? To ask the question everybody wanted to ask, but didn't want to look stupid. You ever been in that situation? No one's quite understood what the person has been saying, but no one wants to admit that they don't really understand. I don't suppose, from what we know of the disciples in other contexts during Jesus' ministry, that any of them really understood. But here, Thomas asked the question. Jesus had just been teaching about our future and their future with him in glory and referred to the way to get there. Thomas asked, we don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way? This led to one of Jesus's most profound and famous statements. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one could come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way to God. Through him and his death and resurrection, we can now come right into God's presence. At the cross, when he died, he carried the penalty of death for all our wrongdoing. He took away all our shame as he hung on that cross, 
the most shameful death imaginable, a slave's death. As he hung naked on that cross, so shameful, he was carrying our shame. And he also carried the penalty for our wrongdoing. He took away our shame, he defeated the evil powers. So Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth, the supreme revelation of God. Jesus used to say, do you want to know what the Father's like? Well, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Amazing truth. Jesus, who was merciful to all who came to him. Jesus, who took little children into his arms. Jesus, who touched the leper, the despised people of society. Jesus was actually reflecting who God the Father is. The supreme revelation of God. All the truth is found in him. He is the way and the truth. But he's also the life. Life in all its fullness, which we experience when we come to him. So, this amazing statement came because Thomas asked a question. He is here inquiring Thomas. I love it when I'm teaching and people join in and ask good questions. I really do. I love teaching in that sort of context. Jesus loved it too. He often taught through Q&A. He either asked questions and see what people said, or he was asked questions by others and gave profound answers. So the first time that we find Thomas, it led to a great miracle. The second time, it led to a profound statement of truth. So, inquiring Thomas. Someone looking at it negatively might say, thick Thomas. Thomas wouldn't have minded. He was prepared to stick his neck out and ask the good questions. So, that was just before Good Friday. On the Thursday evening, Maundy Thursday evening. And that was the second time we see Jesus through the eyes of Thomas. Then on Easter Sunday, Jesus appeared to his disciples. Thomas wasn't there. He missed the meeting. It says this, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with others when Jesus came. They told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked 
But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. John 20, 24-29 Just imagine the first Easter Sunday. The other disciples full of joy. Have you ever missed something and you didn't really think much of it until you met the people who had been there? Maybe people who were there present when that crucial goal that your team scored was celebrated. It was watched all over television the next day. It was amazing. And you didn't use your season ticket that week. You missed it. Or in Christian context, I I don't think I'll go to that meeting. And then you hear from your friend, wow, the Holy Spirit was powerfully with us. People got touched. Amazing it was. And you think, oh dear. It was great, Thomas, they said. But Thomas responded, full of scepticism. I want real evidence. I want to see the nail wounds. More than that, I want to put my fingers there and put my hand into his side where on the cross the soldier took his sword and pierced Jesus' side and from it flowed blood and water. Next Sunday, the Sunday that we're celebrating today, Jesus appeared again. He greeted them, very important in the East. We often miss those little things in the Bible where Jesus greets. Shalom, he said. Or peace. Or assalam alaikum. Peace. Then Graciously, he spoke to Thomas. Jesus knew. Of course he did. Come on, Thomas. You can put your fingers where the nail prints were. You can put your hand in my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believe. What grace? No condemnation didn't condemn Thomas, he knew. And Thomas didn't need to physically touch Jesus. As far as we know, he never responded to that invitation. He could see, and instead, he responded with an amazing burst of worship. My Lord and my God. This was the first time this had been said to Jesus. The first time Jesus was worshipped in that way. 
By the way, an important fact here is that Jesus' resurrection body here was physical, not just a spirit, although it could pass through locked doors. Our future bodies will also be physical in the, new, in the renewed earth after Jesus returns. The way in which Jesus dealt with Thomas is important. One of the books I love reading when I'm preparing messages is the African Bible Commentary. And in our church, as well as many from India, there are many from Africa. And so I want to quote African theologians who give an insight into things that I wouldn't have thought of otherwise. And the African Bible Commentary says this, Due to our tradition, that's the African tradition, of a chief being a person of power, pastors in Africa tend to issue authoritative rebukes. But when we rebuke others, we must not lose sight of our goal, namely bringing those we serve to profess Jesus as their Lord and God. Jesus gave Thomas the opportunity to put his fingers into his side and to feel where the piercing had been done to help him move from being a doubting Thomas to a believing Thomas. Patient, patience requires a focus on the needs of the sheep and not on the authority of the pastor. The Thomases in the African church long for a lowly shepherd to lead them step by step to see Jesus as their living Saviour and Lord. Amen. Hallelujah to that. That's how we bring people to see and understand who Jesus is. Then Jesus referred to all who would believe in him in the future after his, after his ascension back to heaven, who had not seen Jesus physically and gave a special blessing to them. A blessing to those of you who have not seen but still believed. I praise God for that special blessing for people like us. So here, it's not doubting Thomas, but in the end, it's believing Thomas. So we have courageous Thomas. We have inquiring Thomas, good questions. And we now have believing Thomas. Well, we're all a bit like Thomas. At times, bold and courageous, but made to be a little bit gloomy and pessimistic. At times, full of genuine questions. At times, full of doubt. But let us be led to take up our cross and, like Thomas said, be willing to give up everything for him, even die for him. That's a teaching for all followers of Jesus, to be so committed to him. And then let us all be led to worship. Let's worship him. If you haven't listened to the playlist yet of worship songs worship along with that and say my lord not just the lord my lord and my god all honest doubters end where thomas did on their knees before the master in praise and adoration so, and be encouraged, though we have not yet, though we have not seen Jesus physically, yet we receive the same blessings.
and let's take a step of faith. If you're not sure, if you're still doubting, if the wonderful story of the cross, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus attracts your heart, but you haven't yet put your trust in him, even though you don't see him. Let these amazing truths speak to you and you become believing, courageous and still able to ask good questions to understand the truth. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the example of Thomas. Thank you for his courage. Thank you that he asked the right questions that led to an understanding of truth. And thank you that he became a person of faith in the end. That his doubts were removed and he trusted you during this difficult time in our nation and in the world. Let us trust you. Let us trust you for protection. Let us trust you in all the circumstances of life, even though those circumstances are very difficult at the moment. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.